Drinks, food, art, fun. This is Hops and Spirits Kentucky. We've had some wild weather here in March. I hope your month's off to a good start. It's still going well, and I can't wait to share another episode with you. we got a good one this week as we talk with Old Louisville Whiskey uh, and their co-founder to talk about how they got their launch and got started. It's a really cool chat to see how he built up or how the, they built up a brand um, and we're very, very patient. I will say that. But before we get to that, some news and notes in What's Pouring Kentucky. First up, a couple of events. The new Lou Bach and Worst Fest will return on Saturday, March 25th from noon to 6 p.m. along East Market Street in Louisville. The free annual festival is known for its Bach beer, Worst sausages, and goat racing. That's right, goat racing. You can more info at newlou.org. That is N-U-L-U.org. Over in Lexington, a partnership with the nonprofit Casa de la Cultura Kentucky, Smiley Pete announced that Crave Taco Week 2023 is returning Monday, March 20th through Sunday, March 26th. Restaurants will offer two unique off-menu tacos, one meat and one vegetarian option for $6 per plate. To see what restaurants are participating in their offerings, check out CraveTacoWeek.com. For some fun uh, for kids and adults, they'll get to experience the first immersive Lego and coffee cafe in the country this summer at Newport on the Levee up in northern Kentucky. The Bricky Cafe in Play comes from the mind of Cincinnati native Daniel Johnson, who is a certified facilitator of the Lego Serious Play Method, a facilitated thinking, communication, and problem-solving technique for use with organizations, teams, and individuals. The cafe will unite shopping, dining, and entertainment under one roof next to Velocity Esports there at Newport on the Levee. The cafe will feature three main areas, a retail space for new and used Legos, a cafe, and a play area for kids. And congratulations goes out to Louisville's Bourbon's Bistro, which was named Bar of the Year by American Whiskey Magazine for the second year in a row. So props to them. them. The recognition is part of the publication's Icons of Whiskey Awards, which recognizes the whiskey industry worldwide. Bourbon's Bistro offers a bourbon-inspired food menu and boasts more than 100 whiskeys so congrats to them up next though is our q a with um, amin karud of old louisville whiskey here how they got their start and how patient they were to do that it's a cool story enjoy remember to check out hops and spirits on social media at hop spirits all one word on instagram tiktok facebook and twitter you can also find hops and spirits on youtube and at hopspirits.com Joining us here for our Q&A, he's the co-founder, and they just recently launched uh, not too long ago. Please welcome in Amin Karud, co-founder of Old Louisville Whiskey. Thank you, thank you. And I, and I said it right because I, I about panicked as soon as I actually had to say it. <laughs> it was recorded. No, no. <laughs> I noticed there. <laughs> yeah, there's a little pause. There's a little pause. <laughs> so, Well, welcome in. And, thank you, know, you buddy. I always like to ask this first question because I, I know people have interesting stories and it sounds like you've got a, a really cool one that, that we'll talk about here. So don't give away every detail because I got some okay. some questions, but the Cliff Notes version, tell us a little bit about yourself. But like I said, just not too, too much. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, I'm an immigrant. I emigrated to the U.S. 2001 and then I moved to Kentucky 2003. Um my wife's from here. That's why I ended up in this area. And uh, an engineer by trade decided to quit engineering and do my own. So I bought a liquor store. I opened a second one. And then that's how I got um, in, interested and started a brand. And that's how I start 
working on it six and a half, seven years ago. So that's a nutshell, my story. <laughs> I like it. And you touched on it. You you moved to, to Kentucky, I believe, in 2003 or so. Is that, that right? Yeah. But you, you came from Tunisia, is that right? And then ended yeah, up in born and raised in Tunis. Yeah. So how, how does that happen? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's like any immigrant, right? We have much better opportunity in the U.S. And it's pretty much every see everybody's chasing the American dream, right? So 2001, I moved to New York City, uh, met my wife in 2002, uh, and then she's from here. She was going to school. I was about to start school, so she was like, well, it's, if you want me, you need to move to Kentucky. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I packed myself and moved to Kentucky in summer of 2003, so and the rest is history. Well, I, I was going to say, and, and like you said in, in your, your opening there, you ended up um, owning and running a liquor store, Red Castle Liquors uh, there in Louisville. What what kind of pushed you to go that route? Because, you know, that's not exactly something that everyone uh, always thinks of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when I was a corporate engineer, uh, I invested in the area called Old Louisville. It's a neighborhood here in Louisville. Uh, it's the oldest the original city basically and it's uh nested between downtown and the campus of the university of louisville so i bought some rental properties with the hope to one day i'll be independent and don't have to work for anybody so when the opportunity came and the liquor store was available for sale the old gentleman that owned it was ready to retire after running it for 23 years I was able to buy it uh, because I had other properties in my bank and I had a job and my bank uh, was willing to finance it. So, um, you know, I've been I've always been told a hey, liquor store business is very, you know, very solid, very, uh, uh, it doesn't matter what the economy is. People always drink. Right. And I'm like, well, that would be the perfect uh, business to jump into. Right. So, uh, friend of mine used to live in Old Louisville, half a block from the store. He's like, hey, dude, um, the store is for sale and the guy is desperate to sell it. He's ready to retire and, and I'm ready to start something new. So that's how kind of the journey started, really more serious journey in the whiskey. So, Well, and I was going to say, you know, during this time, you mentioned that you know, old Louisville whiskey has been kind of uh, in the planning process and you've been building up to it for almost a decade. <laughs> You're closer to yeah. that mark than, than anything else. So you, you were buying barrels along the way and not like what people might think of for like a normal store pick, you know, you, you buy the barrel, you, you, you do the store pick You were actually buying barrels and setting them aside. Yeah. Yeah. So 2015, I bought the liquor store, obviously, uh, the boom is kind of like it got started pre, uh, I would say 15 was kind of like 14, 15, like more people are getting involved. Uh, store picks are getting very popular. So being the store owner, the manager, the, you know, the purchase in person. So I got involved uh, with a lot of groups. We've done so many store picks uh back when you can call any distillery basically and you can go pick and within two three months now you know last two years before i sold my stores um because we're so small we can't even buy barrels 
uh, we're not we're not important enough, you know. So, but then I saw a lot of new brands surfacing, and I was like, well, you know, what's going on here? Who's who's distilling all this? You know, this is back when OKI had twelve years, Bellmead had twelve years single barrel all day long for sixty bucks on the shelf. Uh, Blum Brother was another brand that did phenomenal work with some sort of stuff. So I started calling around. I was like, well, who's, who's selling all this whiskey to them? <laughs> I called MGP. It took me about 20 phone calls to get an answer or somebody to talk to me. And then my first purchase order was three barrels. I mean, I didn't have a lot of cash, so I bought three barrels. My goal was like every month I make a little bit of profit instead of um, spending it or put it away. I'm just going to buy barrels with no plans. Not, you know, not really planned, mapped out by any means. So uh, my first purchase order, I don't think the salesperson from MGP was very happy. Like he thought maybe <laughs> I would be the next Angel's Envy buying thousand barrels or whatever. And I had purchase order of three barrels. So it was a harder to get a hold of him after that. <laughs> If well, only he knew. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how it started. You know, I bought a few handful of barrels here and there until uh, I decided to go all in uh, three years ago and I sold my store, my main store that makes the bread and butter and uh, used all the investment to buy barrels. So. Well, and I was going to say, you, you kind of also, you sold off a few investments too, which kind of led you to to the name and the moniker, but what made you decide it was that time, that that time to go full in and and not just kind of have this kind of more as a side project, but now this be the full project? Yeah. Honestly, uh, I've been very close and you know keeping very close eye on the market and the whiskey uh, prices as far as the wholesale pricing, even on the shelf. I mean, all it reflects, you know, if it starts from the the wholesale level is going to, you know, impact the retail uh, level. So three years ago, I was like, I don't think there's a better time right now to go all in. And I'm glad I did because the barrels we bought three years ago, you can't even touch them right now. Uh, they don't exist. Uh, a lot of brands have surfaced in the last 12 years and they used a lot of that good juice, that age stock from MGP or whoever the distillery was willing to sell age stock. Now it's if you want to start today, it's good luck. There is no age stock. Um, you have to wait. Um, so, what led me to do that? I, I don't know. I was uh, maybe I uh, saw it coming. I don't know. I mean, I can't. I don't want to be like uh, saying I saw everything happen. Nobody was, you know, nobody really saw this boom coming. Honestly, even the big guys, I have you know, forecasters and economists working on staff, they did not see this, you know. But I was like, you know, if now or never, I guess. <laughs> well, and it, and, it, and it worked out. And being able to buy those barrels when you did, even if it was three at a time or, or whatever, those prices don't exist any, yeah, <laughs> any, no, they anymore. Don't. <laughs> so, they don't, absolutely not. So, so I mean, it, it kind of works out. And, and was it tough, though, kind of just kind of sitting in, biding your time to kind of since when it was right for you, for you, because obviously if anyone knows anything about this game, it's an expensive game. It's not something that yeah. is a, a cheap investment. So is it, was it weird to kind of just 
sit on that investment and and wait until that right time? I mean, it is. Uh, we also waited until we have a good package. I mean, we worked with three, four different designers. We went through probably over 20 designs of label and we never satisfied. And, it, and we didn't rush. We had whiskey north of 14 years at that time. And we're like, look, this label doesn't even look good. We're not, we're not going to go to the market. And then uh, the toughest thing really uh, – the, here and there it hits me it's a lot of brands have surfaced after i've been purchasing barrels and they've done very well in the market and i'm like you know i'm missing out i'm i'm waiting too long right uh, but i think everything played out very well time and i couldn't ask for better timing to penetrate this market um a lot of brands don't don't wait long enough to have seven and eight and nine year old bourbon. They're typically four, five, six at best. Uh, everything we've been involved so far is seven and older, nothing younger than that. Uh, everything we're offering here as bottle your own is six and a half, seven to 10 year old bourbon. Um, we have some 16 year whiskey. So, you know, things happen for a reason, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was always tough to look at your investment sitting there and other, you know, other brands have, you know, went to 10 states or 15 states and moving volume, truckloads of whiskey. But, uh, you know, we're, we're in business now. So, well, and, and you've got a really cool bottle and a, a logo and, you know, and, and to me, it's not just a good one. They're, they're pretty impressive. It's really cool to see what you did and, and everything that went in there. And you worked with, uh, I believe it was Ashley. Trumler that ended up doing the final design. Yeah, yeah. Can, can you can you talk a little bit about how that? Because like you said, apparently it took a little while to get to that right design, but I, yeah, I think that yeah. weight weight was worth it. Absolutely. So after working with other designers and we really didn't get anywhere or anything satisfying, uh, my wife reached out to her mom group on Facebook. It was like, "Hey, do you guys recommend any local designer?" Uh, we wanted to have that face to face, somebody local. Somebody we can sit down with on a short notice and do changes. It's it's very difficult to do artwork or design work with all remote. Um, so somebody recommended Ashley. We reached out to Ashley. We set up a meeting. We went uh, to a coffee shop, local coffee shop. We met with her. Uh, she never designed a liquor bottle. But funny enough, she she was living in Old Louisville. And she was super excited to be part of the project. And we gave her kind of like the concept I had in mind, like I had my mind set, I want to use an old map of the city. And what do you see on, on the map here on the label is 1884 map of the city. But I actually just took our ideas and kind of like learned a little bit of our style as people, uh, and she came back with like 12 different designs. And this one kind of like stood out. She had beautiful designs to begin with, all of them. And then this one kind of like, we're like, we love the, it's not a, your usual label of whiskey. It's like the overlapping crisscross. And it just, you don't see that a lot. And we're like, that's awesome. Like, let's tweak the, the label. And she did a phenomenal work. So. I highly recommend her. She got really busy. She has she moved to Colorado, so she's not taking a lot of jobs right now. 
but I'm pretty sure she's going to be slammed busy if she wants to focus on the liquor business. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, even down to where the Red Star is, which is where your original liquor store was. I mean, there's a, yeah. a touch of everything on that label for you all. Yeah, yeah. She she really did uh, nail it and did an awesome work. So. And then the, the name Old Louisville, obviously you are there, but it's an ode to not just that, but your investments that kind of help pay for this. Is that exactly the, the story to it? Nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we love old Louisville as a neighborhood. Uh, it's very diverse. It's a beautiful architecture. Like it's, I don't know if you ever been to Louisville or not. Have you visited the area of old Louisville? Just gorgeous architecture from, you know, Victorian era, 1800, early 1900. So there's a lot of history, and I love my history, and I love architecture. And then with that, like, we owned a lot of properties there, and then we owned the liquor store where we really learned about whiskey, about the trade in depth. Uh, um, and then we had to sell it all to gamble on a, on a brand. So it made sense to call it Old Louisville, and shockingly, nobody have used Old Louisville before in a whiskey. I mean, we have Old Louisville Brewery in town, but nobody used it in the whiskey industry. So we were very lucky to even like be able to register that name and own it. So some right. people, we have some couple people in town that are like, oh, well, you're using a neighborhood name and they're not like very happy. And I'm like, I don't think there's anything wrong with using a neighborhood name. Like, so, but. Well, you and it's can't your home. always you can't satisfy. Home, right? <laughs> yeah, you can't satisfy everybody. Somebody's always have something negative to say. <laughs> this is this is true. This is true. Now, how excited were you when you finally did get to release that that fir first batch uh, last year and get this actually out there for folks to try? Honestly, I'm uh, I'm a type of person that doesn't really get super excited, like uh over things um obviously this is not a small thing by any mean it's my my life saving my life investment here um the most exciting part of launching that brand and having the launch party here in town is the amount of support the friends and family that came and were here for the party it was very touching um we had you know, all the friends that I made throughout the years in the bourbon industry, the bourbon club folks, uh, everybody was very supportive. They came in. It was 100 degrees in the warehouse. We're all sweating, drinking whiskey. And it was it was a fun, fun three days. We did three parties and I survived all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still standing and, and, and yeah, things, yeah. things are going well. And, <laughs> still and drinking. Since, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it, like I said, it, it's it's never uh it's a fun place to to be at and and since then the, the that first release you've you've got your rye has been released you've i believe you're onto the second batches as well um how, how cool is it to be able to now build off of that and, and have those additional releases and offerings it is it's, it's very exciting because now we we're seeing the fruit of the investment we start seeing income coming in for the last seven years we're just continuously put in our saving and our investment into barrels with, you know, a lot of, a uh, lot of unknown, you know, you don't know when you get uh, to gamble like this or take risk, you don't know, like COVID hit, it could have changed 
the dynamic of the entire market. Uh, luckily, it didn't. Um, everybody is worried about recession for the last few years. Um, we still, I think we're still economically fine. Uh, so I would say we're just lucky, I guess. <laughs> Sometimes plans plans work and, and you have a yeah. little, little bit of luck on, on your side. And, and, you know, for those that are, are curious about what to expect when you, when they get an old Louisville bottle, I mean, obviously the bottle is beautiful, cool label. It stands out on the shelf, but what can they expect from the juice inside of it? So, like I mentioned earlier, we waited until we had enough inventory. We also waited until our barrels are pretty well mature. Uh, I'm a whiskey drinker. I've been drinking whiskey since I moved to the U.S., uh, specifically when I moved to Kentucky, I got introduced to bourbon. So I've been a bourbon lover for almost 20 years this summer. Uh, so I'm behind quality. I believe in quality. Uh, Bourbon-wise, we really believe that nothing should be bottled less than six and a half, seven. Uh, younger than that, I think there's a lot of youthness, a lot of uh, unmature whiskey, and it should not be consumed, at least in our... Uh, the category that we're going after a premium category. So if you're buying a bottle, you're expecting uh, the juice to back the, the beautiful label, not just the package. It's also age, quality of whiskey, uh, uncut and filter. We don't believe in adding water. We believe everybody have access to water. You can add water at home. Uh, Non-chill filtration because we want as natural as possible, as close as possible to uh, straight from the barrel. The only thing we do is, is we screen the charcoal out of the barrels. We don't, we don't add water. We don't chill filter. We want to give a good expression of straight, straight from the barrel bourbon. Um, and when you buy our barrels or our label, whether it's age stated or batches, we didn't. We choose not to put any age on the batches because there's various ages in these barrels. Uh, all of our single barrels are age stated. So, you know, when you buy in a single barrel right now, we've done three expressions that are seven and a half, eight and nine and a half. Uh, so nothing is young. We also, we're not going for consistency. So we have a lot of mash bills. Uh, basically, every batch you expect something different, whether it's a proof, age, or recipe. So, I like it. It's an adventure and, and a fun one. So, so I guess the the thought process is is batch releases and kind of letting the the whiskey and the juice speak for itself. Yeah, that 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 is awesome. And you know, you I believe you've got a tasting room now as well. How important was it to kind of have that added aspect? where folks can come by, see you guys, get to know you, and get to try the, the whiskey. Yeah. So we also decided to do everything under our roof. Uh, that's also why it took us a little longer than uh, most people. A lot of brands, uh, they not they don't necessarily have a tasting room or bottling facility or Asian. They basically buy bulk, send it to a co-packer, they pack it for them, send it to a distributor, and it goes out to the market. But um, I really wanted to have access to my barrels anytime, any, any day and be able to taste every day, 
blend and play with my barrels because if you think about it if you're if you're sourcing and you're just labeling most of these brands are going to source uh certain recipe they don't have access to their barrels uh they're all at the mercy of whoever stored it for them to pull samples send it to them uh then they're at the mercy of the co-packers schedule so with us having everything under our roof we have the gift shop we have the tasting room we have the bottling facility and we store we have capacity to store 400 barrels here so that gives us um more unique setting uh and the ability to show off our our product uh hands-on not just the label or social media pictures or videos now you can come if you're in town or whether you live here or you're visiting, you can come, we can show you what we do. We can taste you straight from the barrel. So, and you're allowed to do, you bottle your own as well. So that's why we did what we did uh, and waited to have our own facility to do all this. Even though you said there wasn't a plan, it sounds like there was a very good plan at the, when it all came together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, when we decided to go all in, uh, I decided, you know, I, I talked to co-packers and I talked to other places to, you know, low cost, low overhead cost. But uh, I decided to have the flexibility and control over the bottling instead of sending it out. So. It, it, it makes sense. It gives you guys an added dimension that others don't have. And and it sounds like that is just being true true to you. And And I've been fortunate enough to, like I said, try a little bit of it and I believe on one of our reviews, uh, we said it's something that we've never tasted before, which is, is very true because uh, it, it's some pretty cool stuff that that you guys have been able to. Which to, uh, to which which one it, did you guys uh, review? The batch one, the batch one bourbon. Okay, yeah, and batch so, one is very unique because most of the barrels were aged in Colombian oak. Okay, so it has a very very unique profile. Uh, a lot of the barrels we used in batch one, uh, they were distilled in 2014 and 2015. At that time, was a big shortage on the mill side. So a lot of cooperages, they were struggling to find North American Ozark area white oak. So they, uh, they sourced a lot of stays from Colombia. And they were white Colombian oak. And the profile is not your usual bourbon profile. You know. And and I would agree with that. It was something different, something cool, and and I think we we said that exactly on the which makes more sense now, <laughs> which makes way yeah, more sense. Yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, you know, obviously this is just the beginning for for you all there at Old Louisville. So, what's next next for y'all? What can you tell me that that you got coming up that won't get you in trouble with the wife or anyone there? Uh, oh, and what's yeah. the future hold for you guys? So we are playing with a lot of finishes right now. Uh, we took uh, some seven and a half and eight year olds whiskey and we're going to do some brandy finish. Uh, we're going to do a maple cask finish. We're doing a rum finish and Madeira finish. So uh, what's coming up the pipe is some finishes. It's going to be a different label, uh, more of like a cream or light brownish uh, label. And we're going to do... Again, we're not going to use anything young. Um, they're all seven, seven and a half to eight years old uh, barrels. 
so always uh, mature whiskey and then quality 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 so sour mash labels coming out with finishes um and then we're going to continue to procure and find some good cool whiskey that we will be bottling next you know five to ten to twenty years so right now we're buying barrels for 20 30 bottling so that, that is awesome to hear that it, it you you're out that far and uh it's it's cool to see what what you you all have done there in such a short time and and i appreciate you sharing the the story with us amin and, and folks like i said if you haven't i highly recommend giving old louisville a try thank you thank you find more from hops and spirits at hopspirits.com Everybody, bye.